0: Jake Gensel had a really big power play goal. Kasperi Kapanen scored a goal of any kind at any point. Jeff Petrie rose up to cover a lot of the minutes that had been missing with Chris Letang out. And I'm going to talk about two guys that we talk about all the time. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Penguins 4, Golden Knights 3 last night at PPG Paints Arena, and it might have been... Their best performance of the year. I'm still partial to the one in Winnipeg because it was so thorough and it was on the road and everything else. But then when you consider that this team hasn't been all that great at home, and when you consider that the Golden Knights are a better hockey team than the Jets are, maybe, maybe this one was better. And there were a lot of individuals as I began listing who were responsible for it. I didn't even mention. Tristan Jari, Marcus Pedersen had a really good game. Brock McGinn scored the goal that began the comeback. From two down, Ricard Raquel uh, had a really, really good overall shift before scoring a really, really easy goal for his 10th of the season. There was just a lot to like. But you're going to have to pardon me. Please, just... This one last time, all right, at least the last time for a long time. Because one thing that gets me about this fan base this season, not all of the fan base, some of the fan base, but enough of it to be annoying through the various means with which you can kind of keep a gauge on this sort of thing, whether it's social media, whether it's direct feedback that comes. On our website at DK Pittsburgh Sports or these podcasts or whatever you have, there's a lot of people who every single time something goes wrong with this hockey team, they point straight to the stars. They point straight to the core and the team's age and the need because it's been a bad period or whatever else to. Start blowing everything up. Get rid of it all. So I'm going to take the opportunity right here and now to highlight within this one evening how completely and laughably misguided that is. And again, I'm not pointing the finger at everybody. There's always exceptions. And I think most people are smart enough to realize that having a couple of the league's better scorers on your team is a good thing but there's still just too much of it for my taste this portion of daily shot of penguins is brought to you by the good people at the greater pittsburgh community food bank where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western pennsylvania they in turn need your help find out how one dollar can be turned into five full meals for those in need visit pittsburgh food bank This game began to change from after the point where Vegas built up the 2-0 lead with McGinn's goal. I'm not going to take that away from him. But the tenor of it, the, the tone of it, the feel of it, began to change when Sid and Gino decided that it would change. Sid was a big part of that Raquel shift that I'd referenced earlier, might have been the biggest part of it. If you go back over the full minute in which they dominated the Golden Knights in their zone and then Sid making the final pass. Well, no, it wasn't the final pass. They passed it so quickly after that. Sid's was actually the second assist. It was Jake that passed it across to Raquel. It was an outstanding shift. It was an example setting, a pace setting shift. And just before that, The Geno line, after what I thought was kind of a blah or a mostly blah first period, even though the Penguins did record 18 official shots on goal, I still didn't like the way it felt other than when Geno's line was out there. And then Geno's line just kept getting stronger and stronger as the game went. If Brian Rust was capable of scoring goals still, they would have popped a couple as well. But it was built on those two. They were the ones that were making everything go. And, of course, it was Gino who ended up making the pass across to Jake for the power play goal that would be, oh my God, a power play goal, but also one that tied the game in the third period. And it was Sid, by the way, who went down to block a shot in the final minute. Now, I'm not even going to get into... You know, the sappy stuff, do it for Tanger and whatever else. It was great that he was there. It was great that uh, he was also part of their morning routine and even went out on the ice for a little bit, just very informally. Nothing at all that would even pass for skating. He just wanted to put skates on and get onto the rink. But they're still what makes this team go. They're not. What slows the team down? When you see the Penguins struggle, by and large, it's because the supporting cast isn't doing enough. That's not just people like me, you know, moving the blame around because we've known the other guys forever or whatever. It's fact. It's data. It's numerically and visibly, via the videotape, supported. These guys, Sid and Gino, remain remain exceptional performers in the National Hockey League. You can debate back and forth who you consider elite. Sometimes that goes up and down. Every once in a while, a Taylor Hall comes along and wins MVP, and then you don't hear from Taylor Hall ever again. These guys have been doing it for a very, very long time. They don't need and they definitely don't deserve To be questioned at every other turn, every single time, every little thing goes wrong. It's, they're old, they should have done this, they should have done that. It's not a perfect roster. It was not built perfectly, to say the least. But it won this game against this opponent, despite being down by two goals, to A team that had been 13 and 2 when they scored just the first one goal. This was what the captain had to say afterward to this subject. Pretty good. Um, not easy to replace all those minutes and you know, all the situations he plays in, but I power play still. Here we go. He's got a big goal there, so at all mm-hmm. just getting that good for him good for them that's a really really nice W in a nice circumstance when we come back j1q. from Ed who doesn't exactly pull a punch when he asks who has to die to make Mike Sullivan put Ricard Raquel on power play one. It's tough to watch, Ed, isn't it? <laughs> that power play. Look, uh, they got a power play goal when they needed it, uh, and good for them. You can't take it off the board. But it was four on three, and they're are just no signs of progress for the standard five-on-four power play with this team. Uh, certainly not with the first unit. Uh, they've reached the point now where they're not even setting up, Ed. You've seen it. It's, 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 it's flat on top of everything else. And I think that's the part that, just as an observer, would irritate you the most. Because you're not even seeing guys move their legs or make plays that look like they're being made with a purpose. Whereas when you saw the Golden Knights come on, uh, I mean, they've got Phil. And their power play, just as every other power play that's employed Phil Kessel uh, has done, they run through him. And it's still really neat to see. I'm not going to lie. Uh, watching everybody use Phil off that left half wall and then let letting Phil do all the splitting and the dividing. Uh, that worked for these Penguins because as much as you can glow, and justifiably so, about Sid and Gino, as I just did in this opening segment, the one thing that neither has been great at, at least not as great as they've been at other things, is commanding a power play. If you go back over the Penguins' own history of truly great players, and I'm talking, of course, about the big four, Mario, he he wouldn't just command the power play, he commanded the whole rink. Yarmir Yager commanded the power play. He didn't just do it in Pittsburgh. He did it in Washington. He did it in New York. He was doing it the final days of his career. He was still the guy that everything had to go through, not because people deferred to him, because they knew he'd know what should come next, and he would take command of that situation. Now, we're way deep into the processes of Sid's and Gino's careers to be saying, hey, guys, it's about time you step up and start taking charge of the power plate. But something's going to have to be different. Sending the same five guys out there over the boards with ostensibly the same plan, the same mindset, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Now, Mike Sullivan did spend... All of practice, and it was not a long practice, it was about a half hour the day before, focused on the power play. They were trying to do some different things, provide some different looks, but mostly it was just about making sure that Sid and Jake, and to a lesser extent, Rust, would kind of collapse in on the net and make sure that they would take advantage of shots that were generated. Sounds good, right? Nobody did it. Nobody did it. Why? I don't know. I can't get inside their heads. I can ask. And what they were going to talk about last night and the stuff that they did talk about last night in the locker room afterward regarding the power play was, hey, it was great to get one. Yeah, it was. It was four on three. The other power plays were absolute trash. Ricard Raquel can make a. A difference. Can he make the difference? I don't know, but I know that watching this again and again and again is just—it's insanity. What's more, you have a really easy choice in who to take off, and that's Brian Rust. Rust isn't getting much of anything done right now, including on the power play. Whereas Raquel, man, I am telling you not to keep singing about this guy. But if you go and review his games, and you study them the way uh, soccer evaluators look at soccer games, they gauge the quality of touches. They measure that. You get one touch on the ball, and it goes to somebody else, and you might not touch the ball again for another, who knows, three, four minutes. But that touch itself gets a grade. If you did that to Raquel... He'd be through the bleeping roof. And a lot of what this power play is missing right now is exactly that. Quality touches, a a good, good pass to the next correct recipient. Seeing the game a little bit before it happens. He's capable of that. You know what else they need? Someone who can really shoot the puck. Yeah, He can do that, too. You know what else they need? Someone who willingly and fearlessly and he does this more than most people might realize, go to the net. No one's got to tell Raquel to go to the net, he just kind of does that. He's been doing that for years. That's that's got to happen. Don't worry about hurt feelings, don't worry about, you know, how Rust is going to feel or whether or not you're devaluing an asset. Make the power play better. Put the best guys out there. Right now, you have already one piece that's out of there, so you have it in a little bit of a state of flux as it is. I happen to think Petrie's a pretty good power play guy, so I'm not that worried about the absence of Latang in this context. But man, man, Raquel versus Rust is so obvious. So obvious here. I appreciate the question, Ed. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins, and we'll be back with a new one on Monday.